Hi one and all, welcome to uh, another Sunday Night Local and uh, this is the third in the series of the um, Believers Toolbox. So uh, we'll be touching on one specific group of those tools in a moment. But first and foremost, I suppose, I mean, when I, and I still am working, but when I was working uh, in um, factory environments, we would often have toolbox meetings. Now these meetings were not held in um, conference rooms. They were held at the place of work. It would be to discuss specific issues in the workplace. And, um, and in many respects, you know, these, these um, believers tools or toolbox should be applied exactly the same. It's not just for the um, special church meetings, it's for the community at large and it is down at the grassroots. And uh, these tools should be used in that respect. So uh, just as a, a quick recap, um, based on Pastor Steve's last two weeks, um, these are grace gifts. Grace gifts are not earned. The word grace effectively means unmerited favour. So we can't work for these. Um, they are freely given. Uh, as with any gifts, uh, particularly if you've had children or even adults, I mean, I've been accused of this. Um, gifts can be abused. They can be used or they could be ignored. I've had gifts in the past um, from the family where I've... Uh, not open them for months, maybe a DVD that I thought I'll get round to that and, and forgot all about it. Um, and of course, gifts can be abused, particularly with little children. You buy them something nice and they don't fully understand how it works and it ends up getting broken. Um, so with all these gifts, there can be things that are not perfect. But does God therefore not want to give us the gifts because um, we're not mature enough? Well, no, he wants to give us the gifts so that we can benefit from them ourselves. We can um, use them within the church and of course uh, work within the local community. The gifts are supernatural. We'll be touching on some today that there are natural examples of them, but these are supernatural gifts. Um, they can be counterfeited. Uh, the devil wants to spoil and destroy anything that God does. And if we look at Exodus 7, 11 with Moses and Aaron, when they went to see Pharaoh, um, Aaron threw his rod down, it turned to a snake, uh, but Pharaoh called in his magicians and they did the same. Um, the only difference was, of course, that the magician's snakes got swallowed up by Aaron's snake. So there isn't a, um, the counterfeit is a poor counterfeit and there always will be with Satan because he cannot operate in the fullness of truth. Um, he operates in deceit and deception. Um, as I said, they can be misused. You may have heard of preachers who uh, have a gift of healing, um, yet they've had a long meeting and they're a bit tired and somebody comes up to them and says, look, could you pray for me? And they, oh, no, I've, I've had enough. I don't want to do it. Uh, they may lack a little bit of love and a little, little bit of patience. Uh, but nevertheless, they lay hands on the person almost nonchalantly and the person gets healed. So the... The gifts should be used correctly, but even when sometimes we may misuse them, others can still benefit from the gifts. So that's an important thing to consider. Um, the gifts are there to maximise the strength of the church, give us joy personally, but also change communities when they operate in love. And that's a fundamental point. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 and 2 which we would have heard in um, weddings, 
Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, or though I can prophesy, it's love that's paramount. And that's not a gift, that is fruit. And in Galatians 5, there's a whole list of the fruit of the Spirit and love being one and in Paul's eyes, obviously being paramount. So uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, pursue love, but desire spiritual gifts. So as Pastor Steve, Steve said last week, we should desire the gifts. And that's how we get the gifts, by having a desire for them. If we don't desire the gifts because of fear, because of um, being unsure, uh, maybe feeling that we're going to lose control um, and embarrass ourselves, then, of course, we won't operate in the gifts. Uh, so we've got to recognise that any gift that God's given is given in love because God loves us. And it's given for our edification to build us up and it's given to build up the community at large. So the church, the gifts are for the church today. Pastor Steve talked about that last week regarding a very long word called uh, continuation, continuationalism. Uh, some people believed that the gifts were only for the first century church, the first apostles, but that doesn't really make sense. Um, they were used in the Old Testament, and we'll see examples of that in a moment. They were used in the early church. Jesus used the gifts almost all the time. And many people today, the evidence of those gifts are available today. So there isn't really a case to say they're only for the first century. Um, the church now has a bigger, a broader influence than ever before. Uh, the world is in a mess, probably maybe not much more than it was in the first century, but there are many, many distractions and, and many counterfeits. And if we cannot operate in these gifts, then where's the power in the church? And that's what we're meant to be operating in. We don't want the appearance of godliness. We want the power that goes with it. And that only really comes through the Holy Spirit working through us. So being baptised in the Holy Spirit and receiving these gifts are fundamentals for us to be effective as Christians. So um, as Pastor Steve said, there are three groups of gifts, the revelation gifts or gifts of inspiration. There are para gifts and utterance gifts. So I'm specifically looking at the gifts of revelation and those are broken down into word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and the discerning of spirits. So I'll take each one of those in turn, uh, look at them and give some examples uh, from the Old Testament, from the New Testament, and where practicable, um, some examples for today. So um, we'll start. Uh, we can, uh, we'll also see that there are, we've crossed these three, there are some where they, they can almost exchange. You start in one, you move to another. Uh, some have similarities, um, but we'll be looking at the specifics. So the first gift, um, the gift of the word of knowledge. Now, note, it's the word of knowledge. It's not that you become super intelligent and Johnny know-it-all. Um, it's a gift that God gives us. It's supernatural. Um, the gift of the word of knowledge is specific to a current issue uh, and with all these gifts particularly the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom it's a revelation of something that from God's infinite pool of knowledge or infinite pool of wisdom so God knows all things he's all-knowing 
yet he will impart to us a specific aspect of that through a word of knowledge for us to use uh, to the benefit of others. So it's for current issues, it's based on existing facts. A word of knowledge is about things that have happened in the past or happening now, and that is a distinction with the word of knowledge. So if I look at some examples of that, in the Old Testament, in 2 Kings 5, 20 to 27, you may remember the story of Elisha um, and a man named Nahum. And Nahum was a prince from another area and he had leprosy and he came to see Elisha for healing. And Elisha gave him uh, some instructions, which initially he didn't want to follow because he was proud. But ultimately he did as he was told and he was healed. And he offered Elisha some money. But Elisha said, no, thank you. Um, I'm sure it wasn't out of, I don't accept charity or anything like that, but he didn't need a gift. Uh, he didn't need a gift of money because um, God does things freely and um, for our benefit. Uh, so Nahum left with his entourage, uh, but Elisha's servant named Gehazi chased after Nahum and said, look, things have changed. Somebody's turned up, a couple of people have turned up and we really could do with the money now. Do you mind if you still give us the money? So Nahum said, yeah, that's not a problem. So he gave Gehazi the, the, uh, the money and Gehazi went back, not for the purposes of sharing it, but for keeping it for himself. Now, Elisha um, had a gift of knowledge in that. He knew what had happened and he challenged Gehazi on it. So that was a current real event that God revealed to Elisha to address the situation. Um, in the New Testament, uh, with Jesus in John 4. The woman at the well is another classic example. Uh, the lady came, she uh, didn't have a particularly good, honourable life, uh, but um, Jesus asked her for water and uh, she got into a conversation with him and he was asking about um, her husband. And in that respect, uh, she said, well, well, it was exposed effectively that she had had a number of husbands and the one that she was with at the present time was not her husband. So Jesus had a word of knowledge in that. He knew the situation. It wasn't used to accuse her. It wasn't used to embarrass her, but it was used to expose the truth. And she then recognised Jesus for who he was and ran into the town and declared what had happened. And she said, he knows everything about me. So there's an example with Jesus um, where he used the gift of knowledge that was imparted to him effectively when he was baptised um, and the, the spirit of God rested upon him. So he operated in knowledge in that respect because it was a gift of the spirit. He didn't know it all. He hadn't been to the University of um, Jerusalem. He hadn't got a master's degree or a PhD. He had come from humble stock, um, a working man. So this knowledge was uh, given to him by God as a gift. And that's what we are um, enabled to have today. Uh, as an example for me, when I first became a Christian, um, I've been a Christian for about a year. And I was desperate to get a um, one of those really old, large Bibles with the brass clasps. And one Saturday, a hot Saturday morning, I went, caught the bus from Ports to Portsmouth from Lee Park, where I lived, and went to Marmion Road in Portsmouth into, and back in the 70s, that was, there were a lot of bookshops in Marmion Road. And I, I spent a lot of time looking for the, this Bible. 
and uh, couldn't find it. And then quite strangely, I just felt God speak to me and it would have been a word of knowledge. And he said, go to Pelham Bookshop in Heaven. Now, Pelham Bookshop at the time or is now where behind the back of Waitrose off of um, North Street. So I caught the bus down to Haven, went into Pelham Bookshop and literally as I walked through the door, there was a small table and on the table there was the Bible I was looking for. Now that was a gift of knowledge. And in fact, just to prove it, there's that Bible. I've still got it today. A nice chunky one, not one I would necessarily bring to church on a Sunday, but you know, God, it wasn't astounding. It wasn't shocking. It wasn't something where it was going to convert loads of people, but it was something that where God just desired to allow me to exercise or consider the, the gift of knowledge for me to get a book, which I really wanted. Uh, now, of course, there's general application today. I'm sure, I think there was a case where Andy, Pastor Andy was speaking and saying that um, when he went to, I think it may have been Sainsbury's and there were the lady at serving at the, the, the till was obviously not happy and he had a word of knowledge for her about, I think it was her daughter or her son, and he said, look, things will be okay. So in that respect, that was a, a, a word of knowledge that was exercised. So just summarising that, a word of knowledge is about current things. It's not our based on our cleverness. It's based on God imparting and revealing to us a proportion of the knowledge that he has, and he has all knowledge. So that's the word of knowledge. The second is the word of wisdom. Again, supernatural. It's not a gift of wisdom. It's not that all of a sudden you become this wise sage who sits in a, a cave on the top of a hill and just spouts knowledge, um, wisdom all the time. Um, we'll see through the book of Proverbs, there's a lot of declarations of wisdom and how to grow in wisdom. So it's not that, it's a supernatural gift of a word of wisdom for a specific situation again. Now, the main differences here is that, um, and I'll explain this, there's two main aspects of the word of wisdom. One is to give correct application of knowledge. So somebody may have knowledge, but they don't know how to use it. So there, the, the word of wisdom can be used. And secondly, it can give insight into future events, revealing the will and plans of God. Now, you might say, well, surely that's that's um, prophecy. Well, on another session, prophecy will be discussed and it is different. It is different. So a word of wisdom can still relate to future events. And we'll, we'll see that in a moment when I talk through some examples. Um, so in the Old Testament, uh, Exodus 31.3, men were commissioned to uh, build the tabernacle and God gave them very exacting standards and requirements. God wanted it to be perfect. Um, he's a God that um, excels and is excellent uh, and, he, and he needed to equip the people who were doing the job with wisdom to do the job correctly and in Exodus 31 3 um, it says I have filled him with the spirit of God and wisdom so these people who had never built a tabernacle before uh, they may have been useful and used to using hand tools um, but um, God enabled them through wisdom to um, excel in what they did and of course if you look at wisdom and knowledge with a toolbox uh, sometimes you need both of the both of the um the gifts uh, if you may need a hammer and you may need a chisel and sometimes you need two of them together to to um 
to complete the job. So that's where sometimes in that example, the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge can work together. You get a word of knowledge about an event and then you get wisdom to know how to apply it correctly. So um, if we look at Noah, for example, um, God made known to Noah the state of mankind and that he was unhappy with all the corruption. So there was a word of knowledge and he then imparted him with wisdom to build an ark and to save the animals and the remnant of his family. Uh, so there's an example in the Old Testament with Noah. Um, with Joseph, he had a word of knowledge. Uh, he interpreted a dream. Um, so that was about the, the king had declared something to him and he said, what was it about? And um, Joseph uh, got a word of knowledge to, to know what the dream was about. But the wisdom came in when he gave him advice with regards, because there was going to be a drought. So there was going to be a famine. And uh, Joseph gave was given a word of wisdom on how to protect the nation, that was Egypt, in, in the times of famine. And miraculously through that, it then drew Joseph's family, who were still living in Canaan, to come to uh, Egypt to seek um, protection and to seek food. Uh, so that word of wisdom had a, um, a broader application than um, just putting a load of food in the storehouse to protect. Uh, in the New Testament, um, the first martyr that's recorded, at least in Acts 6.10, Stephen, uh, in the Bible, in, in Acts 6.10, it says, they could not resist the wisdom and spirit by which he spoke. Now, he had been set up, he had been accused, uh, he spoke with boldness and with wisdom. He ultimately was martyred. <clears throat> but nevertheless, there's an example very early on in the book of Acts where Stephen operated in a word of wisdom. And um, with Jesus, people were trying to trick him out all the time. Uh, the devil would be putting thoughts into people's head to say, try and trick him out on this one. And there's a classic one in Matthew 22, 15 to 46, where he's challenged about should the Jews pay taxes to Rome? Now, that could be a very contentious issue, a bit like today. Things could be taken out of context. Um, and of course, we're called to honour our governments. We're not called to run them down. We're called to pray for them. And Jesus was not going to um, incite people to riot or rebellion or social. Um, uh, what's the word? Uh, well, social rebellion. Uh, and sadly, we see a lot of that today, don't we? But so he used the word of wisdom where he said to the person, so show me the coin whose head is on the coin. And they said, well, it's Caesar's. And he said, OK, well, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's and render unto God that which is God's. So he used the word of wisdom there to get out of the situation. Um, so today um, we need revelation from the word through visions, through dreams to know the heart of God and intervene in events to change the things for good that are around us. So these two gifts particularly are very beneficial to the community, they're beneficial to the church, um, people who may be struggling with situations or are fearful. Um, it gives hope and it gives um, a, a, a bright future for people to consider. So those are the two, two so far, that's the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge. So now we move into the third one, which has often been mis 
misused or misquoted and it's called the gift of the discernment of spirits. Now it's not the gift of the discernment of evil spirits solely, it's about spirits particularly in the broad sense and it's about the motives of man, that's what this is about. Um, so if we look at that it could be what has motivated a person, it could be a divine motivation, a demonic motivation or a natural motivation and in that respect um, the gift of the discernment of spirits is very important because as we know you can get phone calls, you can get um, fake emails uh, and how many times do we hear stories about people being tricked into parting with their money and even in a church situation where people may come in and say one thing but their heart motives are different it's very important that we understand and, and can use the the gift of the discernment of spirits. So 1 John 4, 1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God. So we should be cautious. Uh, people come in and say things of what, about what they've done for God and where they've been positioned. And sometimes maybe it's not true. Maybe they've um, overly embellished the truth around it. So well, let's just have a look at a couple of examples here. Um, in the New Testament, Acts 16, 16 to 18. Now on face value, this seems a very um, nice thing this slave girl did. She was following Paul and she was shouting out, behold, this is a man of God, listen to him. And you'd think, well, thank you very much. You've done all my marketing for me. Um, don't need to put posters up. I don't need to advertise anything on Facebook. This girl's running around and um, saying who I am. But Paul discerned that her motives were not right. She was possessed of demons and Paul rebuked her and stopped her from doing it. Now, for us, we may not see that. We may actually revel in the fact that somebody's making a spectacle and saying, look at this person, look how great they are. But, you know, the motivation behind it was, was wrong. And we should be humble anyway. We shouldn't be... Um, hoping for the praise of man. It's the only person we need praise from is God. Uh, so Jesus, I haven't got a specific here, but as said a bit earlier, and um, when we look at wisdom and knowledge, Jesus had to operate in discernment probably all the time. The devil would have been pitching every opportunity to trick him up. And Jesus would have had to have been perpetually working with discernment to understand what the motives of people are when they speak to him. So surely that should apply to us today. These are not special gifts that are unique in the sense that only for a, um, a select number of people. If the church functions correctly and um, can fulfill the purposes of the Great Commission, then we need to know and use these gifts and boldly and confidently. So, I mean, I've had situations in church where people are new have come in. You, as we do at Family Church, we try and um, be welcoming and ask about people. And um, I've had people come up to me and say, oh, yeah, yeah, I've done this for God and I've done that for God. And there's this uncomfortable feeling that's gone with it where you think, I don't know if this is true. Um, it's, it's something that doesn't ring true. 
And that probably is a, um, a, a word of discernment in relation to that. So it gives you a measure of caution. You wouldn't then say, oh, great. Well, can you get up on stage and maybe you could talk about it for 10 minutes and give somebody a platform until you've tested the spirit of which it's been birthed from. So if we operate on these gifts, these three gifts, the gifts of um, revelation, then the fakes that are about won't have any strength and power. Um, the fakes and deceits through horoscopes, fortune telling, crystals, tarot cards would all be put aside. People wouldn't trust in those if they can go to people who are people of God, who tell the truth in love, who give hope for the future, then they won't be looking for things that have got people charging to say, well, I'll, I'll read I'll read the future for you or whatever. I mean, if they were really that good, these people, then, and I've heard it said before, surely if they can foretell the future, then they would find out what the winning numbers for the next lottery was. And they could pack up after one week because they were multimillionaires. But it doesn't seem to work, does it? It's all deception and it's the devil using it to trick people. And sometimes when people are struggling and they're losing hope, they want answers and they go to the wrong source. But we are not standing in the gap to offer a solution that's from God directly, who has got all knowledge and loves us. So let's be a church that desires these gifts. But pursue love. Um, let's not be a, a group of people that have got all of the tools and have got stinking attitudes. So that requires that we are um, renewed, that we are transformed into the likeness of Christ and that we allow the Holy Spirit to work through us. And through that, we can then grow in maturity and our character will change and the fruit of the Spirit will be outworking through us so that when we operate in the gifts, they are well used and not abused. Um, of course, what we do with regards to um, local outreach, adopter block, um, giving our gifts at Easter and at Christmas are great. Nothing wrong with that at all. It may give us a good reputation. But how much does it really change the community? They might feel safer to come into the church doors and not think it's something weird, but it doesn't really change the community. Yet if we could knock on a door and say, I've got an Easter egg for you, and that person looks sad, and with confidence, and not us making it up, but say, look, I've got a word for God for your situation. How much more powerful would that be? Um, we want to see the community changed. Uh, we've been praying for that, and I think the intensity of prayer is increasing with regards to seeing revival. But effective revival comes through the baptism of the Holy Spirit and through the exercising of the gifts of the Spirit. So please consider it. There's another two sessions at least with regards to the other groups of gifts. But this is the first of those three sessions. Um, please consider um, the gift of the word of knowledge, word of wisdom and the discernment of spirits. Um, they're not in a slot machine. We don't put money in and pull out the, the chocolate type we want. They're given by God freely. They're given by God for specific situations and they're given by God for the benefit of the local community, for the church as a body and for us as well. I mean, if we can operate in that, what joy would we have in walking through 
a shop and seeing people healed, seeing people released, um, helping people to not be deceived when there's rogue traders. Um, what great opportunity and benefit that opens to us. So I just um, pray that you'll think on these things and that you will um, pursue or desire these gifts. Thank you very much and God bless.